Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. It's good to be with all of you. Father Shane, do you know my least favorite thing about the priesthood is? Um, No, tell me. I'll tell you right now. Tell me. Listeners are dying to know. Would you have any guesses? Well, let's see here. Um, Put you on the spot. Rectories that don't have coffee machines. Oh, that's happened many times. Okay. (laughs) Presumably your rectory someday someday will not have a coffee machine, except you're way too hospitable to not have a coffee machine for well, me when I come to visit someday. Yes, that come through. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it, it was. It's my least. It's my least favorite thing. The most annoying thing, and also the least expected thing, um, and that is microphones. Uh, microphones in churches. Okay. Everything involving the microphone, if they go on your chasuble, and then they like the little clip ruins the chasubles over time. If they go around your ear, if they're on that little like sling pack thing mm-hmm. that you have to wear, there's a lot of issues. But then also, they're all different. Like they're all so different. Mm-hmm. Some of them have a little tiny button. Some of them have a little like toggle switch. Some of them have the little kind of button. Some of them have a light. Some of them you turn on and off. But then some have the mute feature. Feature. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I feel like yeah. maybe like stage performers or like news anchors are the only other people who understand this like dilemma of like the wireless microphone situation. We were just struggling with our own mic levels before we started recording Father Shane. And I started thinking about my first parish assignment in Lamar's. The speakers in the church, all of the speakers for the entire church were behind my back where I sat at the presider's chair. Right. And so they're blended into the wall. They look nice, aesthetically pleasing. And if you're in the main body of the church, they sound great. But they have the whole sound that's going to carry everything to the back of the church first passes me right away so i could hear all of the finest little like when the canter stand when they turn the page and all this stuff so it was very annoying but then yeah i started wearing contacts again because the little madonna mic thing you know it just kind of gets caught up on the glass it's annoying can't deal with it sometimes how do you do it father crowdy i mean your life is just so tough it is tough thank you for acknowledging that i appreciate it well, you do, in, in your defense, you are traveling constantly as the vocation director, so every time you walk in and do a mass, you have to kind of roll with the punches and do a different mic system. And then I won't name the parish, but then like I throw on the mic where I find it. Sometimes they set them out for you. Sometimes you're digging around the sacristy, you know, trying to find the right battery pack or whatever it is. I turned it on at a certain parish, and there was just no sound. So the first half of the mass before, you know, before the, during the readings, and as I sit down after the opening prayers, um, a, one of the liturgists comes around and she says, we have new microphones. I forgot to put it out. Here you go. So yet again, oh, right there, silly microphone stuff. Yes. <laughs> wow. Anything yeah, new? What, what our listeners don't realize is that this microphone that I'm using is so sensitive. I can hear the clock ticking and it's like 10 yards away from me. I can just like touch my clothing and it just sounds like I'm scratching sandpaper. But- but it's the be- so sensitive. The but best part is there's some miscon- like disconnect where Father Shane has to has, have his turned up too high. And if some sound tech out there could like help us out, you know, tell us what to do, that'd be great. Um, 
but I like that we've been doing this system for a while now, Father Shane, like a whole year. And it's mm-hmm. just now that you're mentioning how like sensitive the sound is and how like uber sensitive or hyper aware you are of the clock ticking and stuff. So yeah, I the, the I can hear guys walking down the hall in this hallway on the third floor <laughs> away while we're recording. But sometimes I can barely hear you coming through my headphones. I don't know uh, why. It's not like great. This. I don't know what's going oh, well. on there. Wow. Well, maybe the last thing it's going to be with you. The last thing we'll say about microphones is I think Kenrick Glennon Seminary has one of the best mic setups of all time because they are all freestanding microphones. There's a little microphone on the altar, little super thin guy that just sits there, and there's a very like slim profile one right in front of the presider's chair, and one at the ambo. You don't have to have anything on your person. It's great. Yeah, I'm sure you like that. Have <laughs> like that you a lot. Don't like lapel mics or over the ear mics. That, that is a fairly common thing I'm seeing here in St. Louis. Not a lot of lapels. And doesn't, let you walk ar- doesn't let you walk around. It does not. But it's nice because you don't have to put anything on your, your person. Duly noted. Well, Father Shane, I'm sure there's been lots of exciting formation conferences happening at Kenrick on a you know weekly basis, probably offered by you and the other priests. Um, but we had something of a formation conference for our diocese. As you would remember, as the former director of continuing formation for a priest, uh-huh. we had um, Father Luke. I can't remember his last name, so I won't say his last name. A priest from Green Bay. He is one of the designated preachers for the Eucharistic revival that the United States Bishops Conference has initiated, invited us to experience in our country. Great. So he was invited by Father Cronin to come and give us a few talks as the Presbyterate of Sioux City just the other day in Storm Lake to talk about this Eucharistic revival. And I don't know if many of our listeners have kind of heard about this. I think we've mentioned it before, Father Shane, the, the statistic of you know, 50% of people today in our country um, are, are non-religious, right? As Bishop Barron will often reference the nuns, right? There's no religious affiliation in their life. And then there's that pretty staggering statistic that perhaps in some capacity only 30% of Catholics who come to Mass Mm-hmm. really have a full understanding and belief, a kind of a, a grounded belief in the Eucharist, in the true presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, right? So there's this desire to see a revival of Eucharistic knowledge, understanding, devotion, right? But even as he was going to start talking about it, I'm like, well, it seems pretty obvious, right? Like, we just go back to the kind of fundamental teachings of the Eucharist, the the Mass we celebrate, Eucharistic adoration is an extension from the Mass. We just reiterate those teachings. But I was really grateful for how he started. And this is clearly like the tagline that the USCCB is using um, to refer to this revival. But it, is, it doesn't want to see just an intellectual revival that more people know about the teachings of transubstantiation in the Eucharist. It just doesn't want to see more people at Mass. It just doesn't want to see more people going into adoration. It just doesn't want to see more, I don't know, devotion, people kneeling genuflecting right all of those things are part of a eucharistic revival but what the u.s bishops conference is trying to see is an experience of the lay faithful of christians being healed converted formed and sent Mm -hmm. all in the context of the eucharist right the celebration on sunday daily mass that as our christian life we would be healed by jesus converted moved from sin to new life, formed, and then sent out. And that's, that's not unlike other kind of like structures of discipleship that we see from forming intentional disciples or the focus model of win, build, and send. But I thought that these were a little provocative in that like 
direction that it moved, how we can often jump to, well, we just need to like form our people with a belief in the Eucharist, or we want to see more conversion or go, 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 come on, do something. Why aren't, why aren't we having evangelization in, in parishes? My family's parish just had a, a town hall surrounding the Diocese of Sioux Falls pastoral planning. And one of those questions was, how can we have more evangelization? But it seems that we jump to those or we isolate those. So to see these, these four things together, to be healed, to be converted, to be formed, to be sent. I think this is helpful for all of us, especially in our theme, continuing theme of unpacking, feeling outcast, right? That all four of these things are necessary for every Christian, but especially today, especially as we find ourselves today in a secular society, maybe having lost a understanding devotion to the Eucharist, that through a greater understanding of Jesus's presence, of Jesus Christ's presence, we can be healed, converted, formed, and sent. I want to unpack those, Father Shane, but any thoughts right away? Yeah, I think one of the things that's actually most helpful is the starting point of being healed. Um, And especially for any of our listeners who might feel really outcast from the church or who feel outcast from the Eucharist, or if they're just feeling a, a lack of unworthiness or a lack of understanding, I think healing would be a really good starting point. Mm-hmm. What is it that one is craving for greater healing for in one's life, depending on any wounds that you might be carrying, any struggles, any crises that you might be going through? What is it that the presence of Jesus could could enter into and provide you healing? And then in that, how might that actually lead you into a greater sense of surrender and a greater sense of presence with him? Um, I was talking to a priest. He's a retired priest in our diocese. I was talking to him about 10 years ago. And he just said, I don't understand why people stay away from Mass. I just assume that the Eucharist is strong enough to bring them there. And, and mm-hmm. certainly we know the Eucharist is the body and blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, but, but he was kind of just bewildered by the fact that people didn't automatically recognize that or, or revere that in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, that was one of the great you know, divides that he was struggling with. How do we get people to acknowledge the gift that is on the altar and then come flocking with, with great haste to receive that? Mm. Um, and maybe we need to speak into their felt needs first to say, what is it that needs to be healed? Okay, we actually have a solution for you to find that healing through Christ. Do you want to know Christ? Sure. Where can I meet him? Well, you can meet him in the confessional and the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Um, actually stepping out into people's felt needs for healing first, as Jesus did in all of his healing miracles, I think might be a really good starting point. And I love how that's so scriptural that somebody didn't just see Jesus walking and immediately follow him, right? They first experienced so often a physical healing that Mm -hmm. he he walked up, healed them, or like the man brought through the roof of the house, his friends brought him, but these different people who were either a physical healing or a spiritual healing, right? Of a demon dri- being driven out or these different experiences of being released of some some sort of oppression that's happening in, in their life. First, there's this encounter with healing that says, wait, I'm different than I was before. I've been brought to, from a kind of a brokenness to a wholeness, to an integrity. And that leads to, wait, he's inviting me to follow him. Just like we experienced recently when we're recording, we just had St. Matthew's feast day, follow me. And it says he got up and followed him from the the customs post, right? And then a life of continual healing and conversion follows. But yeah, conversion is not just something that's automatic or that's um, just organic. So often it, it needs to be preceded by a healing. You know, I was with some high schoolers recently outside of our diocese and 
very typical retreat experience of hearing confessions and giving talks and different things like that and conversations. But I felt myself in a new way drawn to point out for these young people, especially in the context of confession, that sins are just the kind of superficial bad fruit of what's deeper in our lives, right? The, you know, this book, Be Healed, you've kind of emphasized it before, Father Shane, by Bob Schutz, but that good or bad things in our life, the fruits come from the roots, right? So like the, the roots of our sins, the superficial things in our life that we do are usually, usually acting out of a place of woundedness. That's where it's coming from, right? So the, the healing that happens at the roots can then bear fruit in a life of conversion, turning from a life of sin, turning toward following Christ more closely. But that, that, that is so often what contextualizes the conversations that priests have about desiring that Catholics would return to the sacrament of confession, or when we've spoken specifically about that sacrament here in this podcast, this is what we're getting at, that to be healed by Jesus, to meet him, to be changed, that actually precedes a life of conversion. He does. He has the power to heal us, and he wants to heal us. And from as part of the healing comes the encounter with Christ, right? Um, I think that has to be a really strong, pivotal focal point in the act of conversion, such that I have encountered this this living Lord who has brought healing and restoration to my life. And because of that motivation and because of a desire to be in greater communion and companionship with him who has healed me, I therefore step into a life of conversion. That's very different than, well, why don't you just get your stuff together because you're all broken and you just need to get it together and you need to start acting like you know a better person. Okay, that's kind of a guilt-driven <laughs> sense of conversion. But if, if one is actually moving in converting towards God, moving towards him, out of a desire to keep encountering the one who has brought me healing, uh, th- that's a far more positive and I think a, a far more fruitful experience of conversion rather than just saying, I feel guilty. I have not met the standard. I haven't ra- you know, lived up to this high bar of Christian living. And therefore, in order to please the lo- living Lord who could send me into the flames of hell, I must convert. Yeah, and then that so quickly turns into willpower Christianity, right? That now I'm mm-hmm. going to try really hard not to be a bad guy, but to be a good guy. I don't know if mm-hmm. I ever told you this, Father Shane, but i uh, not breaking a seal because there's just a confession heard one time from a kid, but a kid just said one time, I'm a bad kid. Rude kid, bad kid, rude kid. That's all, that's that's all I said. <laughs> I said, I was like, okay, um, does God think you're a bad kid? No. <laughs> what does God think about you? God thinks I'm a good kid. I said, great. What do, what do you need to do to be, not be a bad kid, be a good kid? He said, avoid the near occasion of sin. I said, great job. Okay, do that. Me too. But just that idea of I'm a bad kid, can't change. Got to try. Got to try harder. But no, Jesus is the one who brings about healing, and He's the one who brings about the grace of conversion. But then this move from healing to conversion and then conversion to formation, that's really important. I think that's a good spot to lean into because both of us have an experience of formation, right? I'm in a high school helping out at a college. You're like deep in it in seminary formation right now. Got the phone ringing in the background. It's all right. Yeah, sorry. This busy, busy guys here trying to, trying to form, right? Trying to form the guys, trying to experience right. formation. That's no, right. I think Someone's that's what calling in right now because they want to be healed. They want yeah, to be formed. Please. They want to be sent <laughs> It's actually not a live podcast, but somehow they, they knew when we, somehow they must have seen our calendar, knew when we were recording. That's um, right. A lot of people don't experience 
first that healing, then that conversion. A lot of us experience as being cradle Catholics and growing up in it, right? We might experience the conversion of realizing that we're living maybe some big sins and realizing that we need some change there. We might slowly realize that we need healing by going back to confession often and realizing there's something deeper there rather than just, I do this thing, I'm a bad person, now I want to do, you know, do the good thing. But the next step is really a life of formation in the Christian way of life. As Jesus walked with, walked with his disciples for those three years of his earthly ministry, that our Christian life doesn't just have to be this kind of obligatory humdrum, just like showing up at the church, but it, it can actually be a life of being formed um, by those who are further along on the way than us, right? That's always, mm-hmm. we're always following somebody in the Christian life. We're always looking to somebody as a, a mentor, somebody who's been living the Christian life, right? So maybe, maybe that's as teachers, right? Or priests, parish priests, um, but finding some way, somebody who we're following and finding somewhere to actually receive a life of formation. And I'm curious what you think about this, Father Shane, because there are so many resources out there. There's so many books, right, that keep being published, so many different places to find information, like, hello, here you are on a podcast, all the different YouTube videos, all the different things that these different ministries are putting out. But what, what do you think that looks like for for our listeners to, to move from that experience of conversion into a life of formation? Well, one of the things that comes to mind is um, we might have some listeners who say, well, why should I be formed? You know, why do I have to conform my life to a different standard? Why, why don't I just get to be me and be free, right? Um, I, I think there could be some who bristle at the idea that you must be formed. You must conform to, mm-hmm. you know, Christian living you must um, strip away your own creativity and your own self-expression and mold yourself into this parameter that always that already exists. And I think we always have to keep reminding all of our listeners, but also ourselves, that formation comes into walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Why? To share in his divine life and to have joy. Mm. You know, did he not say, I have come to give life and uh, so that others might have it to the full in John 10? Um to say that we want ourselves to be formed, that that is actually taking on the template of God himself who mm. came to earth, to actually live in the paradigm of how he exists. Mm. Um, and, and that actually is giving life, and it's giving freedom, and it's giving joy. And, and I think there could be a sense of heaviness that comes with that at first glance, to say, I have to be formed into this Christian lifestyle, yet we're actually inviting you into a life of joy in union with the living Lord. Mm. Um, so that's the first thing that comes to mind, that despite any heaviness that might seem to uh, be apparent there, a life of Christian formation is actually very fruitful and life-giving. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's really helpful. I'm thinking of the Baldacchino, the Chiborium in the Kenrick Chapel that you mm-hmm. pray with, that you pray at every day. On the inside of this kind of square canopy above the altar, there's the, a Latin phrase, and Latin's fun that you can like move around verbs sometimes and put them in different plates, parts of the sentence, and it still works. So it wraps around the inside of this baldacchino. But from the pews, what the seminarians read are the two verbs, imitare and conforma. Mm-hmm. And it comes from the line of the ordination ritual where the bishop places the chalice and patent in a newly ordained priest's hands and says, imitate what you celebrate and conform your life to the mystery of the Lord's cross. So those two words are there, and it was helpful. Those four years that I was at 
a Kenrick to pray with those words, imitare and conforma, and the crucifix is directly below, and the altar is directly below that, right? And that image of the death of Joseph is right above it. So everybody, go visit Kenrick's chapel. It's beautiful. But here's the point. The idea can be that you show up to seminary and you're trying to be just like shoved into a cookie cutter mold of what this kind of like batch of priests will look like. But as you actually live it, and then I think this is the analogy for the Christian life, as you actually live it, you realize you're not being like shoved into some mold. You're being conformed more and more to Christ himself. And as the Second Vatican Council said, Christ reveals what it means to be human back to us, right? So we're conformed like more and more to him. And then I think just lastly, to kind of wrap up here, to be sent, to be healed, to encounter Christ in a moment of healing, to move from one place to another in conversion with him and to have a change of mind and heart, to experience a continual life of that conversion through formation, through a following somebody else, that needs to lead to ascending forth. We say that we call the recessional hymn and mass ascending forth hymn, right? We hear, you know, go, go, <laughs> go make a difference sometimes or go make disciples, right? We hear that, but how often do I, I mean, how often do I feel a real sending forth that Christ has formed me, changed me, met me to be so that I might be an instrument of his presence in the world that he can send me out somewhere. Even if it's just the people that I encounter every day, even if it's at work or my home, that there's always this continual impulse that he sends us out, that he tells us, go, go and baptize all nations, go out, be my presence in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That when the Eucharist is alive and bearing fruit within us, um, it is so efficacious. It's it's creating so much energy and zeal that it actually just can't be contained within us. It propels us forward, and it creates a movement within us that that is generated from God, who now dwells in us, and that that becomes kind of the energizing battery that gets us out to go share this goodness that's dwelling within us with others. Uh, it, it kind of has this contagious radiation force when the Eucharist is lived in its, in its full capacity. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think we absolutely should be sent out to go share with others the goodness that we get to receive. Yeah, that's right. Um, I like those four verbs. That's very helpful that Father Luke shared with all of you, and I know the USCCB is going to continue to promote that. Yeah, so maybe just last thing for our listeners. Healed, converted, formed, sent. What one of those resonates the most right now? And as you consider your own life, either feeling very close to God right now or feeling outcast from him, where do we need to like lean in deeper and to receive more? The Eucharist is a place where we can experience that, being healed, converted, formed, and sent. So hopefully that is helpful. God bless y'all. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.